To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. I'm John Heilman. And I'm Will Leach. And this is the Culture Caucus, Bloomberg Politics Culture and Politics podcast. We have been off the air, off the grid, off of iTunes for quite some time. Will, where have you been? What have you been doing? I've, hey, listen, I'm not the one that's on like eight TV shows. So I'm, I've been busy. I'm doing a lot of stuff. It's football season. So that's a busy time anytime for anyone that works in the sports profession. But I have to say what I've really been doing, there's always that uh, Roger Hornsby has the great quote. Someone asked him what he does when he's not playing baseball. He looks out the window and waits for spring to begin again. When I am not, <laughs> when I am not doing the podcast with you, John, I stare at the window and wait until we get to speak again. All right. That is a wild. Wildly tedious way to spend your time, Will, but um, I uh, I appreciate that, and I'm glad to hear that you've been spending your time uh, as usefully as I expected you to spend your time. You know that's good. But one of the things that's happened, you know, we while well, we've been away, there's been a lot of stories, a lot of things we could have talked about. But the thing that we're going to talk about now today, I believe, is the story of Colin Kaepernick and the fallout from that story and everything that's happened. But I think probably. Well, let's let's just talk about that. Well, why don't you let's just let's, you know, walk me through this. What's actually happened here and why does it matter? Well, it's worth noting that Colin Kaepernick, I, I wrote a piece for Sports Illustrated about this, about the weirdness of how all, Colin Kaepernick had been basically on his Twitter page putting out a lot of Black Lives Matter, very uh, uh, even farther than Black Lives Matter, like criticizing Hillary Clinton, criticizing Donald Trump, very strong, uh, very loud kind of like pro-African-American, pro-Black Lives Matter movements up on his Twitter page, and nobody had noticed. No one had pointed out. No one had said a thing. But what happened was after the during the third preseason game for the San Francisco 49ers, where Kaepernick is the backup quarterback, he uh, won a reporter for NFL.com, literally just noticed that he didn't seem to be staying up for the anthem and thought to ask. And he said, oh, actually, yeah, I've been doing that for a few games now. I'm doing that to protest the way that African-Americans are treated in this country. So that, of course, became a big story. Uh, he kind of filtered through the NFL news ecosystem. It showed up on his fantasy football uh, pay- feed pages. Uh, whenever a story kind of hits that in the NFL, in the world of NFL, it really blows up. And I think what you saw that, and what I was fascinated by, uh, I was wondering what was going to happen, did in fact happen. Uh, you and I, in an earlier podcast, talked about O.J. Made in America. Right. Uh, and we talked about how one of those fascinating moments of that movie is when Jim Brown and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Russell and Muhammad Ali all have this moment where they all come together and say, we are not going to stand for the way the African-Americans are treated in this country. We want there to be change. And it's that's nothing like that in sports has really happened since then. And so this is the closest thing we've had to that moment where basically not only has Kaepernick said this, and Kaepernick, you know, People have been like, he's a backup, but he did start the Super Bowl three years ago and almost won it, as a matter of fact. So, you know, this, this guy is not some some small, uh, bore athlete. But what's happened is, what I was hoping to happen has happened, which is basically now throughout sports and baseball and basketball and all across the board, everyone's going to every everyone, black athlete or otherwise, and saying, hey, what do you think of Colin Kaepernick's statement? What do you think of black the, the way African Americans are treated in this country? What do you think of the presidential race? And it's so rare that anyone in sports ever wants to 
say anything about this, that it actually has forced these issues into the conversation in a way that I have not seen them in the NFL really ever. Yeah, we're going to have uh, Joe Lockhart on, who's from the NFL, an old friend of mine who uh, was uh, formerly the press secretary, White House press secretary under Bill Clinton late in his administration, now works for the NFL, works for Roger Goodell, deals with a lot of um, both shitstorms and, uh, and a lot of other non-shitstormy stuff, but is a kind of a communications political public uh, face of the NFL, uh, kind of new to this job, going to be on this podcast in just a few minutes. We can talk to him about the NFL, how the NFL has been dealing with it and what the fallout's been. But, you know, just, I mean, we'll t- just talk about a little bit about about the kind of, there's been, I know in the in the NFL, we've now seen a variety of players who have either decided to stand up in solidarity with Kaepernick. Some of them have uh, have found other ways to protest rather than uh, than, than protesting the anthem. Just just survey the what you, what the fallout has been in terms of just the the way other athletes have the way other players have dealt with it and and in terms of how the league the coaches the, the various divides over this question. Yeah, so there's been a few different ways that the players have handled it. Some like Brandon Marshall and uh, some of the players on the Los Angeles Rams, the same players by the way who wore the I can't breathe uh, shirts for uh, and and uh, and put their hands up, don't shoot, toward the St. Louis Rams games last year. A lot of those same players. Some players have stood up. Megan Rapinoe, a soccer player for uh, the U.S. team, uh, kneeled during the National Anthem during one of their games. You're seeing that happen. You're also seeing people like Russell Wilson, who's probably uh, the the closest thing that you will find to a, I'm just trying to, uh, I don't want any trouble kind of guy. And you've seen him have to answer these questions, but take no stance one way or the other. What you've seen, fat, interestingly, is from the ownership side, you're seeing there's yet to be a lot of any owners say we support this idea. What the interesting thing that Roger Goodell, I definitely want to talk to Mr. Lockhart about this. Roger Goodell said, first off, first thing is that like, hey, listen, he's got a right to do this, referring to Kaepernick, which is a very kind of NFL logic. Right. The idea that like the NFL needs to like let it know be known that this American right <laughs> is in fact something that they support. Um, but he wishes he hadn't have done it that way. And it led to Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, I think, had one of the more interesting reactions. Actions. After week one, uh, all of the Cowboys players uh, stood up for the anthem and did not uh, kneel. And he said, oh, I am so proud that our Cowboys, we do not have any of those guys that don't stand up for the anthem because they support the military, which has never been a strange kind of aspect of this. Colin Kaepernick said nothing about the military in his in his, uh, in his right. initial tribute, but it's turned <laughs> into this like, oh, he doesn't support the troops, but I think speaks a little bit to how football and the military are kind of uh, tied into one another. And Kaepernick even responded to that by actually working with with veterans groups uh, since he made his initial process. But Jerry Jones said, I don't want, I'm so glad that none of my players did that, which to me is a very NFL owner type thing. It's a very, frankly, Dallas thing uh, to kind of do to say, cause now the, the problem with that now is, you know, that's Jones basically laying down the gauntlet. Like, just so you know, I don't want to see anybody on this team doing that. That's his way of saying that without actually saying it to the point that now if I see a cowboy holding his hand over his heart, I don't know if he's doing that because he wants to or because uh, his owner wants him to do that. So I think you've seen perhaps somewhat predictably uh, this fall along the lines of ownership and coaches uh, being much more wary about this and uh, players either being supportive or certainly not being against it. I think the strongest voice you heard again actually came from the world of baseball. Uh, Adam Jones, a player for the Baltimore Orioles, who's an African-American, said we wouldn't need to do a protest like this in baseball because, frankly, baseball doesn't have enough of an African-American presence anyway, which led Tony LaRusso, yeah, which led 
Tony La Russa, uh, which is funny because <laughs> if you look at the math, I think that it's definitely less of an African-American uh, uh, presence in baseball than other sports, but it's actually probably the closest to the nation at large, uh, I would say, uh, percentage-wise. But Tony La Russa came out and said, uh, I don't know how you could say that. Uh, the predictable things you might expect. This game's done so much for him. Colin Kaepernick's just doing this because he's a backup trying to get attention. And just kind of the ugliness of that. You've seen almost the ugliness happen from other sports. I think the NFL, they're kind of apparatus is so well oiled at this point that they've been the we support his right to protest but we really wish he didn't do it and we love the troops but you're seeing more and more players kind of come on board they found this happy medium by doing the kneel the kneel thing has become the way to support it without actually supporting it is probably the best way to put it yeah so then of course there's also been this thing as inevitably was going to be the case this thing got elevated to the level of presidential politics and of course you've got barack obama and donald trump both speaking out on it in i would say thoroughly predictable ways it would have been kind of fascinating to see if either one of them would decide to speak out on this matter in a way that was not totally in keeping with their character but i mean just you know were you surprised by anything that came out of obama's mouth obama basically saying i kind of understand what he was doing and he has you know i sympathize with his his motivations not sure he's going about the right way and and Trump trashing him. Is there anything about either one of those reactions that struck you as interesting? I think the only, the most surprising thing was it actually took Trump like a day. I was a little surprised. <laughs> it took him like 24 hours. But uh, uh, yeah, certainly you saw that. I think his quote was, well, if he, he did a basically country music song. If you don't like it, leave it uh, sort of right. thing about uh, Kaepernick in America. So I think that's somewhat predictable. I think it's been fascinating too, not just in the context of that, but you know, to see this in the context of Police and 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 like you know the Santa Clara Police Department. Of course, the the, the 49ers Stadium is in Santa, Santa Clara rather than San Francisco. They said that listen, if Kaepernick does if Kaepernick doesn't stand up for the anthem, we may not work some of their gains, which is similar to what you saw from the St. Louis uh, Police Department after their uh, hands up, don't shoot protest from last year. But it, that's tended to be more from a as a police level rather than a political level. And I think one of the reasons you haven't seen like say Hillary Clinton jump on this is if you go back and look at the things that Colin Kaepernick said, he has just as bad of things to say about Hillary Clinton uh, as he does than he does about Donald Trump. You know, I think that right. that so right. the idea that he is any sort of supporter or anti-Donald Trump person. What's funny is Kaepernick, I think, wanted, you know, whatever your thoughts about his protest, I never think he saw it as like an explicitly political act. I think he saw it more of as a as a apolitical social justice type act. And of course, inevitably in the world we live in, everyone made it into a political act. And I think he couldn't can't help but be pulled into that a little bit. But it's worth knowing that there were people saying that Kaepernick should be cut or the or foreigners shouldn't keep him or something after that. None of that's happened. And I think one of the reasons for that, I think it's helped turn this into something I think larger and a little uglier, I think specifically for the NFL. Like if he would have been cut or something, I think that would have led into a, a larger issue that uh, now it feels like, as always happens with the NFL, another thing I want to talk to Mr. Lockhart about is people get really fired up about all these things, and then games happen, Then <laughs> right. people right. just yeah. forget about it entirely. Kind of obliter- obliterates everything else, because that's really what football is all about. And, and where do you think, just really quick, Will, before we bring in Lockhart, um, where, where do you think this goes from here? What kind of legs do you think this has going forward? Is, is this now going to kind of peter itself out? Um, or do you think there's some way in which this thing could continue to gain force and continue to be controversial throughout the entirety of the season? I think it's going to keep going. I'm not sure how much more controversial it's going to get. If just because you've, as I said before, you've already seen this sort of getting mainstreamed a little bit. Like the Seattle Seahawks uh, for their first game, all said we're going to make a big team-wide presentation and we're going to well, we're going to all make a strong statement about the Kaepernick thing. And then they got out there and apparently Doug Baldwin, one of the players, said actually I don't, I'm not against the military. 
okay, I don't want to do this. So they all kind of just like kneeled together, which was just basically this way of all saying, we are standing for something, but we're not going to say specifically what it is because we don't want to upset anyone. <laughs> and I think that you, that's really the way you've kind of seen this is people that support Kaepernick, they don't really necessarily want the heat. This is also the NFL, a league where the players don't have a ton of power as they do in other leagues. If anything, if you see this move forward and spin forward, I think it'll come from the NBA. I think when the NBA season starts, I think you'll see a lot of that then. All right, let's uh, let's take a little break here in the Culture Caucus. I'm John Heilman. And I'm Will Leach. And let's uh, take a little break uh, here in this episode, the, our return to form, our return to the air, our return to uh, the digital grid episode. I can't even remember how many we've done before in the past. We'll have lost track. But let's take a little break and bring in Joe Lockhart from the NFL. back with the Culture Caucus. I'm John Heilman. And I am Will Leach. And we've got with us Mr. Joseph Lockhart from the National Football League. Joe, welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. So, Joe, explain to me what your job is. I am the uh, head of communications, I guess, for the NFL. I uh, worry about you know what we're saying, what people are saying about us. Uh, also, um, uh, look after uh, our issues in Washington and then all of the um, social responsibility and philanthropy things. And just for the sake of, of our listeners, um, you took this job when? I took this job in February, about a week after the Super Bowl. Right. Okay. So you've been in the gig for just mm. not that many months. Yeah. yeah, it's good to hear. It's good this to have. A, you're still a newbie in the NFL. I, I was I was very happy when the season started and they actually started playing football. Right. Now, let me ask you, on the basis of the few months that you've been in this job, I mentioned earlier in the podcast that you were once the press secretary for the President of the United States. Bill Clinton, that is, right? So given the choice, given so what you've had experience so far working for Roger Goodell, who's needed a better boss, Roger Goodell or Bill Clinton? Uh, since Roger pays me now, I'm going to go that way, but they're both great bosses. Okay. So our conversation today has revolved a little bit around the Colin Kaepernick controversy, and I just want to like give you, get a sense from you just to start, and then I'll hand you over to Will in a sec. But just the, the issue arose on your uh, radar in what way, and the response inside your office was what? Well, the, the immediate um, question to us was, uh, was it against the rules? Was there a rule that required players to stand or not stand? Uh, and this really kind of came out of the blue uh, for us. There wasn't, Colin didn't say, I'm going to do this, and there, were, there wasn't a big buildup to it. In fact, it turns out he had done it a couple games in a row, but he'd been in street clothes, so no one was paying attention. He wasn't dressed for the game. So the initial res response was, was this, did this violate a rule? Would there be a fine? Uh, that was very easy uh, and, and factual. There is not a rule. Uh, and we said very clearly, we encourage players to do it, but there's no requirement. The The second level of it, uh, I think, was much more interesting um, because it does um, it does catch kind of a fault line. You know, it's, you know, we have uniform policies because it's important to have things with uniformity. You know, the... You know, one team wearing. There's a logic. One, there's a logic yeah, to that. There, there's yeah, a logic. That's a logic. There's a logic to that, and we also um, uh, um, play the national anthem before every game. You know, there are flags. There's a, there's a certain sense of this is America's sport, uh, and uh, that's something we want to celebrate. On the other hand, we've been saying for some time, uh, but particularly recently, that. The league has a platform, but more importantly, our players have a platform. People are paying attention to them because of their athletic talents. 
So what they have to say on social issues is important. Um, and it kind of cut into the divide that's in the country. There are people who feel passionately on both sides of this. Um, we talked uh, a lot about this internally, talked with the team, um, and came to the conclusion that uh, we want to encourage people uh, to speak out, to address the issues of the day. Uh, and while we understand that everybody doesn't agree with whether it's sitting or kneeling, um, uh, that he has a right to do that. Um, on the other hand, we're not going to pull back from um, the celebration of the country. Right. That the you know nine you know nine eleven had a particular uh, uh, flavor to it, um, uh, and you know this reflects what's going on in the country. Right. So let me just I'll ask you again. I'm going to I'm going to turn it over to Will, and I will in a second. But I have just one follow up question on that front, which is you know look, it, it seems to me that the your on some on some level your choice was relatively simple in the sense that. It's America, you know, we have the First Amendment, trying to, like, do something, you know, to the player in this instance, try to stop him from exercising First Amendment rights would be a kind of disastrous kind of public relations strategy. On the other hand, it's kind of awkward, right? I mean, this is a large, giant, gigantic and gigantically profitable corporate entity that, you know, in general probably likes the idea of avoiding controversy. That's kind of not generally, you know, the way that most big, large, successful enterprises are. So I, I think they, to me, it seems obvious like what the right decision was, which is the decision you made, but it must have come with some degree of, 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 of concern and, and, and queasiness because you knew there was going to be, this was not just going to be one guy, there were going to be other people who were going to follow him or not. This was going to become a subject of debate and debate and disputation for weeks to come. So, Yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, I'm not sure awkward is a perfect word, uh, yeah. but certainly one that um, led to a lot of internal discussion and a lot of uh, deliberation. And um, again, uh, I don't think any any brand looks to court controversy. Right. Most brands do. Some do because it 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 <laughs> it, 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 it works for them. Right. Uh, but we appeal to a you know we we have 200 million fans in this country. Right. Um, uh, so it, it's it's not a strategy for us to court um, controversy. But probably more importantly, we want people to focus on the game. Uh, we think the game is great, uh, and that's that's why people are fans, not. You know any other issue that that surrounds Lee. So you know when you take attention away from that, that's something we have to pay attention to. Uh, but I think you know in your question, your your question sort of captures um, uh, the issue for us that um, this wasn't something that we thought. Well, we're going to run away from this and we're going to go hide because um, you know our players um, have a lot to say and they are seen um, and are ubiquitous in our culture. And you know we, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, we think the platform should be used for a lot of things that the league decides, but it should also be used, you know, for um, uh, you know what an individual player or individual players uh, think is important. You know, there are, and we'll de- we'll continue to debate and watch what the limits of that are. Um, uh, but you know, at this point, um, it, it does. It, you know, th- there is. Um, uh, a lot of discussion uh, yeah. that's going on that doesn't have to do with touchdowns and first downs and all of that, but that comes with the game. Right. All right, Will, take it away. Yes, sir. Thanks for uh, for coming on with us again. Uh, I'm curious. You know, one of the things I thought was fascinating in the wake of Kaepernick's uh, stance was 
One of the main things people kept saying was that, like, well, why is he anti-military? And and of course, he had never said anything about military. In fact, I think it's, since I think he responded to that by actually like working with some veterans groups and and trying to make that a larger part of it. But it seems to me that you know we, there's been uh, there'd been reports in the past that the NFL had to return some money to taxpayers for some of the military tribute for the Defense Department had paid some some teams to uh, to do some of those tributes. It seemed like you do the national. It's one the way the national anthem is at the NFL. Is different than it is, say, before an NBA game. The NFL is clearly there's a military uh, support the troops kind of notion. That I think it's very tied into the game. Like B- Billy Flynn's L- Lynn's halftime walk is all based around this 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 kind of idea. I'm curious when do you think that there is a there is a danger in the idea that this connection between the NFL and the military has gone over so much to the point that when Goodell himself made his initial comments about about Kaepernick, he said, well, listen, I support patriotism in the NFL, where I think a lot of people were like, yeah, so does Kaepernick. And I and I think there was a sense that there was a disconnect between what the national anthem is maybe in the NFL as opposed to, is to in other sports with a higher kind of military notion to it. Yeah, I, I think you've 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 hit on some important issues there, and I think um, you know certainly when the commissioner was talking about supporting patriotism and making it part of uh, the the experience, it was not exclusionary. I think people define it the the way uh, they want to define it, uh, and it, you know I think everybody does it a little bit differently. So there was nothing there that kind of said that um, uh, any one action wasn't. Uh, supporting the military. Um, uh, but, you know, there is a connection, you know, between the military. You know, you, you referenced the, um, the the controversy. Uh, the military does spend a good bit of money um, with the NFL because they found that NFL and the property and the spectacle of that is one of the most powerful recruiting tools they have. And But what happened is, is we, we had some sloppiness with, with some of the clubs um, that, that sort of intermingled, you know, sort of salute to service, which no one should pay for, uh, and some of the recruiting programs. And we, we did an audit. We uh, returned that money. I don't know if anybody else has done that, but uh, uh, so be it. Uh, but I do think it's, um, it, you know, it has, um, you know, it, it has started a conversation about all of these issues. And at the end of the day, that that's that can't be a bad thing. I also thought it was kind of fascinating. You said earlier about how the the focus, of course, is always going to be on the games. And I wrote a piece for New York Magazine last week saying with all kind of the headaches, many of which came before your tenure, so I'm not blaming you, <laughs> but uh, some of the headaches that the, that the NFL's had in the last few years, whether it was issues with domestic violence, issues with CTE, issues with, with uh, Adrian Peterson and some of the other stuff, it does seem that much of that... I noticed the the back to football ads this year before the season, and they seem to kind of have you know three years ago there was this what you know Will Smith is making a movie that looks like uh, the NFL is is the tobacco industry and the insider, and it and there's this law all of this bad press, and then this year it just seems. The seven most watched TV events of all time are in are the last seven Super Bowls. It feels like a lot of all of this pressure that was on the NFL, all of this discussion about the existential threat to the game. I just I'm not hearing a lot of it this year. I'm, I'm and I maybe you've just done such a good job in your tenure that it hasn't yeah, I was been an say, issue that's so just far. Joe's there now. As soon as Joe arrived, all the controversy went but, away. But it, uh, do, it uh, okay <laughs> now now that we finished blowing smoke, uh, let, let me let me take let me take the question seriously. Um, you know I think. Um, you know, you got to look at you know these things. You know, it's in their entirety, but somewhat separately. You know, on on domestic violence, I think the commissioner was was very clear. 
and when, when he said when they were making some decisions on this, they just didn't have the right people around the table. And and as a league, uh, we've learned, and the work continues. I sat in a meeting yesterday for two or three hours with some of our domestic violence um, uh, advisors. And that work, even though people aren't paying that close attention to it, that work is continuing because we think, again, our platform offers us this ability um, uh, to address it. I think, you know, we, that we, we are focusing on, on the game. But, you know, if you look now, you know, just, just this week we announced an additional $100 million that we're going to be spending to make the game safer. That's a very real issue from, from you know, the first game of the season – to even last night's game, you know, Buffalo at New York, we both, you know, we had an incident, we had two different incidents of watching the protocol we have to make sure that players who uh, are suspected of having a concussion get off the field. Uh, lots of commentary about that, and and that's good. I mean, again, you know, it's it's the best thing for us is. You know, you know, like the first weekend, six one-point games where they go down to the last play and everyone leaves happy except for the teams who lose. But we understand that if, you know, if a big part of the country is um, has a concern about player safety, that they know we're addressing it. And that, and that you know, at, at every game there's 29 medical personnel watching from every different angle to make sure that anyone who's in a position, particularly with head injury, is going to get the attention they need and is not left out on the field. So let me just just jump in just on this one point, which is which is the point that the kind of to take the what Will just said and take it in a slightly different direction and goes to kind of your gig, Joe, which is first of all like there's when all of this bad stuff, these various controversies and various black eyes that the league took over the past couple of years were happening, it was clear that you know they were problems, right? At the same time, it's hard to say the NFL is in crisis given you know the ubiquity of the sport and the revenues and the profits and everything else. I mean, football you know is just so it's like a behemoth, right? So when you were when you came into this gig, did the did the how did the commissioner clearly change was required, right? Changes had to happen. But was there an atmosphere of crisis and a sense of like an urgency to do things in a different way? Or was I mean what just characterize like how the, what the thinking was just in terms of both the commissioner's self-reflection on how he was doing as commissioner and also in terms of how the league had fallen down in various ways and created some self-inflicted wounds and what the kind the nature of the kind of change that he saw that was required yeah I think I think I don't think it was crisis but I do think there was urgency to to, uh, to take it the way the way you posed it. And I think it uh, more than anything was a reflection of kind of some broader societal trends. Um, you know, you go back uh, 20 or 30 years and large institutions, uh, whether they be uh, the government, the church, the, the big banks, um, uh, are all these uh, ubiquitous things. Uh, and things like professional sports leagues are not seen as um, uh, laboratories or things that you would look at with a microscope to learn more about the country. As a lot of those institutions have fractured and as our media is fractured, um, for whatever reason, um, professional sports, but particularly the NFL because it is so popular and is so successful, has really become a folk, their focus of attention. So th the infrastructure you need to deal with that you know, with with rather than, you know, 25 sports writers who you go out with after the game. There's a huge parallels with politics right. here. Sure. Um, 
So now they're being three and four thousand credentialed uh, journal- journalists, and I'm saying that with air quotes. Yeah. Just you know anyone with a with a laptop who can and has a Wi-Fi connection. He's talking about you, Will. <laughs> I can't get. I'm with it. I'm with it. But you know it, it requires you know a different approach uh, to dealing with that. And a and a real um, focus and concentration on effort, not just on what happens on the field, what but what happens off the field. And I think there was there I think there was some urgency at the league to make sure that we were adapting and changing fast enough uh, to, to to meet the reality that we live in. Fire it up, Will. Is is there a, is there a sense? You know, I remember a, a poll that Bloomberg uh, did last year that talked about kind of the what they saw as the existential threat to the NFL was not so much that people weren't watching football, but that you, I think they saw, I think it was 68 or 69% of uh, families that made more than a hundred thousand dollars a year did not said our children will not be playing football. Uh, And on one hand, there's a dichotomy there because of course, like the military, you know, they, they, they don't want their kids to play football, but they would be very eager to watch yours uh, uh, play football. Uh, is that a, a focus going forward to get more youth playing football? Uh, to because to, to, you know you I've we've seen a lot of there's been a lot of debate about it, but we've certainly seen a lot of discussion of the NFL's viewpoints on like what like what you talked about like during the game concussion protocol. But is there a sense about youth leagues football? I know we've seen we've seen some discussion about some of the programs that you guys have for 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 youth football. But is there a, is it a problem for the NFL that? Wealthy families just don't want their kids to play football, including, frankly, some players. Yeah, I, mean, I, th- I think it's a, it's a it's a challenge for us. And I, I learned a long time ago in politics: you don't have problems, you have challenges. So I'm gonna I'm gonna address <laughs> okay, it. I'm gonna address enough. it as a challenge. Fair enough. Um, we call that a listen. Youth, we call that a we call that a euphemism. Yes, yeah, so euphemism is a big word. Others call it bullshit. Yeah. Yes, okay. There, there we go. Uh, I can, wait, I can use words like that. Oh yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, let, let me revise all of my answers. <laughs> just, just sprinkle some was, pro- sprinkle was, some profanity yes, throughout everything. Yeah. It was. Yes, I learned a long time ago how how to do that. If you look at youth football, and that's something that's you know that we spend a lot of time on, um, we don't have um, a, a participation problem right now. Uh, participation numbers actually last year were up. They are, um, if you look at the last five to ten years, our numbers have come down a little bit, um, but not nearly as much as other sports. We we have a we have another problem that we the country needs to address, which is. Kids are, you know, sitting at home and not active, uh, and they're not playing, you know, they're not playing baseball, and they're playing basketball, and they're playing lacrosse, they're not playing soccer uh, as much as they did. But football numbers have been steady, you know, if not a little bit up. I think the issue we have, and I don't think it's, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to put it in rich versus poor because I think that oversimplifies it. Um, we have uh, an education problem. Um, we've. Uh, gone to great lengths, um, mostly with the leadership of youth football, whether it be Pop Warner or USA Football, as far as changing the way the game is taught, changing the practice regimens, making the game safer, uh, and, and I do believe that, that it is safer. Um, but I don't think all of that's caught up with important audiences and families, particularly moms. Um, so, you know, it is a point of emphasis for us to make sure people know what we're doing. Um, you know, we do um, uh, help fund USA Football, Pop Warner, uh, and their efforts to get the word out of what they're doing, and and more importantly, uh, teaching the coaches and teaching the um, uh, the coaches teaching uh, the kids the right techniques versus the wrong techniques. 
We've changed a bunch of rules. You know, I was talking this morning with a group of about 42 rule changes since 2005 to go to safety at the professional level. And the reality is what happens at the professional level is, is critical because it's, it models behavior below it. If, if um, on Sunday someone's using his head and spearing someone, I guarantee you, on, on Tuesday at practice at every level down, someone's going to try that because they saw it on Sunday, and that's why we're working so hard to take that sort of thing out of the game. Will, you got one more question for Joe. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, one of the things that, getting back to the Kaepernick thing, one of the things that I've heard from a lot of people uh, talking particularly uh, in the NBA is the thought that whatever, wondering if the Kaepernick protest is going to lead to something larger or, lead, or, or spread out a little bit. And when the general consensus is, you know what, when the NBA season happens, you're going to see a lot more of this. I think we've already seen NBA players from LeBron James to uh, to Dwayne Wade. Uh, LeBron James, uh, they made their speech at the ESPYs this year. I think he wore an I Can't Breathe t-shirt. And I'm curious, you know, I roughly, uh, you know, the percentage of African-American players in, in, in each league are similar, uh, certainly more so in like say ba- than, say, baseball. Do you think there's something about the NFL – as opposed to the NBA, to where you certainly see, like we've seen LeBron James make big, strong statements uh, about Black Lives Matter, and they've not gotten the kind of traction that Kaepernick's and I think Brandon Marshall and some of the other NFL players have. Do you think that's something about the NFL? Do you think it's just the size of the NFL? Do you think it's part of the relationship that the players have with their league, that it seems that uh, um, there's more... It's, it's more commonplace, I think, in the NBA to see protests like this. Yeah, you know, again, it's you know, it's, it's there's limits, I think, on the comparison between the two leagues. It's certainly, I think, the the numbers will tell you uh, that football uh, attracts a much broader audience, uh, and um, uh, you know, it kind of touches every community. Uh, I mean, but you know, this basketball is a very popular sport. It does very well, uh, both competitively as far as an exciting product and, uh, you know, making money. The the franchise is worth a lot. The players are doing well. Um, But it doesn't have, you know, it doesn't get the numbers. Um, You know, we, you know, if you just look at the television ratings, um, you know, I I think we still have preseason games that uh, get a rating of the NBA finals. And that's, you know, that's 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 just, just just the way it is. So I do think that football, you know, and some of the, and also some of the way that the scheduling sets up, you know, you know, basketball they play 82 games a year. Uh, football is once a week, and it is, it's, it's more of an event um, where people come together, watch together. I watch a lot of basketball. I love basketball, but I very rarely say, call up my friends and say, meet me at this, you know, bar uh, at you know eight o'clock tonight. We'll watch the game. I watch it at home. Football is a much more community-oriented thing, and when you're with your friends, you're talking. Um, uh, so I do think that um, something that happens in and around football um, very often has a bigger uh, impact on the national conversation. Uh, that doesn't take away at all from, um, you know, what I think. I mean, Carmelo Anthony, Anthony has been a leader on this in the offseason. He said a lot of really interesting things. And I think that, you know, uh, you asked, the, I think, at the beginning of the, the, your question, I think you raised, you know, the right thing, which is where does this all lead? Um, and the answer is no, I don't think anybody knows. But, you know, it's, there's a, there's a phenomenon in, in Washington that, that has always amused me, but it always works, which is 
take a really difficult issue, like some medical research issue, like we need more money to get this and have the leading doctors in the world and come and testify Congress and no one cares. Take a Hollywood actor, have them sit there and cry a little bit, and all of a sudden the national conversation yeah. is off. And that very often leads to really good things. So I think there's the possibility here, whether it comes from football, basketball, baseball, um, that just because these guys, um, the, these men and women have a following uh, and have something to say, uh, that you can elevate a conversation or surface a conversation that's, you know, it, it's been there and it's, you know, festering um, uh, that that might lead to social change. I mean, there's no guarantees, but um, it, it's a good thing that everybody's talking about it. All right. Let me ask you one last question just to close this out here, Joe. And, you know, you, you mentioned at the beginning, I, I jokingly asked you who was a better boss, uh, Commissioner Goodell or President Clinton. Just, just a little bit t- talk about the ways in which, I mean, like the White House, uh, you know, the head of the executive branch of the United States government, the NFL, um, you know, the most successful popular sport in America yeah. currently. Just in, in terms of the things you learned, and you kind of alluded to this a little bit just now in a semi-joking way, but anything as big as the NFL is a political institution in sure. some sense in the country. So what are the things, just, just, just quickly, what are the kind of things, the lessons you learned doing the job you previously did, and then there was obviously some intervening time, but what, what do you what think, when you think in your job now, you look back on your time as press secretary for President Clinton, you think, here are some of the lessons I take out of that that I apply now every day. Yeah, you know, I think first off, and it, it has to be said, because I get asked this all the time, of what's course. the difference? And yeah. I, I said, you know, it's a fast-paced environment where it's, you know, there's 24-7 news cycle yeah, you're yeah. subject to. The big difference is the President of the United States is the leader of the free world. The commissioner of the NFL is in charge of a football game. It's a very important game as far as our culture. It's a big business. Um, it's not clear uh, for me the way you're talking about that. Which one's more important? But yes, go on. I I, I, w- I would argue, and you know, if if you if you if you send this to Roger, he'll he he he, would agree. he may or may not agree. agree. But I think I think uh, the leader of the free world is is has more consequences so to the job. Headline here would be Commissioner Goodell admits that he is less powerful than the president. Yes, <laughs> but he he will show you his birth certificate. Okay. So don't right, so don't okay. worry. So so but I think the. Um, the, this, the, the similarities are intense focus on it right. mm-hmm. and intense focus on everything you do. And if you know that there is this intense focus and you're going to, uh, you know, everything you do is going to be analyzed and picked apart, there is a real premium on doing it right, being careful, not having to, not rushing, not trying to answer every critic and getting going down every rabbit hole, but understanding that, um, you know, there's, there, there are going to be the partisan-like critics that, no matter what you do, are going to criticize. You know, I, you know, I, I, I often tell people that if you know, as part of the medical research, the NFL found a cure for cancer. There's a good bit of the press corps that would defend cancer that day. Right. You know, it's yeah. and it's the same way in politics, right. which is there's a there's a, just a built-in bias based on you know how you how you how you look at it. Uh, so I think in you know, on a smaller scale uh, at the league, but still, you know, on a big scale, um, it's important for us to make sure we get it right uh, and that we're absolutely as transparent as we can uh, because with 4,000, you know, 4,000 prying eyes, if you try to be cute, somebody's going to catch you. All right. Uh, Joe Lockhart, you're great for coming in. Um, Appreciate your time. We're now going to bring this episode of the Culture Caucus to a close. Will, you got a final comment, thought? How do you think Joe did? 
I thought he did great, though. I'm still trying to figure out if he's the one that sent the note to Donald Trump saying to change the debate times or if that was someone else at the NFL. Oh, that Joe likes the idea that Joe could like <laughs> muscle Donald Trump and like push him around a little bit. I think that's probably was Joe. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I can barely write, so that's you know, <laughs> I, I can't be accused of that. All, All right, right, well, thanks Fair for enough. coming well, on, Joe. Thanks again. Uh, I'm John Heilman, and I'm Will Leach, and this was the nth edition of the Culture Caucus. We'll be back again next week with another scintillating, fascinating, and profane edition of this magnificent podcast. Ta ta. I miss you, John. I miss you too, Will. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.